1: Do you have a desire to be famous? Do you want hordes of people screaming your name? Then for God's sake, don't get picked up by a cult because that seems to be what has happened to one of the uh, longest serving UFC fighters. What the hell is going
2: on? Um, Well, I guess we're going to kick right off into it. So if you haven't heard yet, there's a well-known UFC fighter by the name of Diego Sanchez. And this guy... He's been a part of the label for so long. He's participated in very good fights for so long that, uh, you know, if, if he didn't do anything, right, if he didn't do anything super out of the ordinary, they would never have cut this man. He would have gotten his probably his end he's of already in the
1: He's already in the Hall of Fame.
2: Yeah. And, and so he got in league with this guy named Joshua Fabia. And the way they did this, apparently, is they met at a gym where Diego said he watched him walk with some kind of finesse or some kind of look and was immediately entranced and just wanted to know more about this guy right off the bat. And soon after that, he cut off his team, he cut off his coaches, his manager, went all balls to the wall with this guy. He's recently said he's dropping some of his family members to prove his loyalty to this man. And... I just feel I, so bad for Diego. I, I, he...
1: there's, there's something, you know, it's it's a very familiar story. A rich man picked up by a guru. That's not an, an unusual story. What's so unusual about it and what's so sad about it is when that training video, when you brought this up to me, I was like, well, it can't be that bad. Then I saw that training video. Yes. And in my, in my mind, I think of how careful you are about your brain and about everything.
2: This is that was the most recent of their wild escapades as far as this training goes so they there was another video where he had him blindfolded running around a ring where he would uh, smack him and have him kind of do some shadow boxing combinations where he can't see he fell into the uh, ropes a couple different times. And he had, he did one where he was having a bunch of guys pretend they were knives in their hands and running around chasing each other with these knife hands to try and stab each other as a as a as a type of avoidance. That's a game I played in jiu-jitsu class as a kid. That that's a game I, I would play with the kids now to kind of teach like, oh hey, it's a knife, run away, you're a child, don't don't fight someone with a knife. I wouldn't have my professional fighters who have to compete in a in, at a level to where they'll die or seriously injure themselves if they make a big mistake. Uh, I wouldn't teach them to play games like that. Which is all it is. It's a game, and it, I'm not, I'm so lost for words because I look at people like Diego and I I feel so bad for him because the way this kicked off as well is he also had a recently recently had a divorce, <clears throat> and shortly after is when he met this man. So he's vulnerable. He was vulnerable when Joshua that, met him.
1: That's how cult leaders get people. I think what catches me most here um, is he's saying that. You know, the UFC is putting this out and it's just not like that. So I would be interested. I think we should invite him on the show, because I, I would be interested. Is this happening the way the UFC is presenting it?
2: Oh, I would love I would love to have him on the show. Because I, I just my, my biggest questions here are why, right? Why did you take on Diego if you don't have practical fight experience or coaching experience in the style you're trying to take him on as? Why are you putting out training videos? Of you hurting him, kicking him in the body and head. When you asked for medical records because you were so concerned about his future and health and well-being, why did you get him cut from the UFC by pulling a crazy stunt, putting online and making and and making a big deal out of something that all fighters go through? Bad commentary or great commentary is a toss-up depending on your match, depending on how you perform that day.
1: I get that, and I think what watching it, where I was so struck is, I couldn't imagine. And you know, I'm not, I, I'm. I'm around you, and I've been around a fair amount of fighters, kickboxers, um, but, you know, you're, you're a professional-level fighter. I think about you. I think about Cub Swanson, and I cannot imagine for one second Cub hanging there while someone's kicking him in the head.
2: After training with Cub for a period of time at his gym and all of his teammates, uh, I don't think he would ever have even come close to that situation, Just just knowing these people to a degree. But I did not ever, never. I didn't know much about. uh, I knew of the name. I knew of his accomplishments, but I didn't know much about the person Diego Sanchez was. But I would have assumed the same exact thing before this happened.
1: What, What I mean by that is, I look at how carefully you guys baby your heads. I know that sounds funny, and to anyone who's not in martial arts, it may sound strange. But I watch the new guys like trying to be tough, and. You know, they're like, no, I'm not wearing headgear. And then I see all the professional fighters are like, where's my headgear?
2: Well, yeah, you see a lot of guys, a lot of guys in the UFC, sometimes they don't protect themselves, sometimes they don't wear headgear. But if you watch them. Well, even the younger guys, if you watch them, it's not crazy heavy sparring, right? These guys are not, for the most part, trying to ruin each other's careers, bar a few exceptions who have been called out for excessive sparring in the way they handle themselves. You know, in general, you want to keep safe and protect yourself, and this is kind of why I'm concerned about, the kind of, massively concerned where this guy is concerned, and wondering why he would intentionally risk further damage to Diego Sanchez. It's not like he's unscathed. If he fought for as long as he has in the UFC in fighting in general, he's going to have some damage already. Well,
1: it's, it's like you today. You went in, you had a sprained ankle, so you've been on crutches for a month. You babied that foot. Like most people I know, most guys are like power through. You're like absolutely not. I'm, I, I'm, I'm off the foot. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm I'm going to like you went to a a, a uh, what you might call it, orthopedic surgeon. Yeah. You went to get an MRI. You've had X-rays. Like you were not messing around. And the first thing they found was that you'd broken your foot and never noticed it.
2: That's so. I was gonna say it's so funny you mentioned that because one of the times I did decide to power through an injury very similar to the one I had now, I, I discovered as of today that I got created a stress fracture and just decided it wasn't that bad, kept rolling with it, and uh, inevitably it healed over and gave me a bone spurt on the top of my ankle.
1: And, and it's one of the few times. But what I mean is, I find that um, professional fighters, like, you baby your head, you don't like, you, you, you're already worried about CTE. Yeah. You um, wear shin guards, you don't, like you're so careful with how you train, and I see videos of like Anderson Silva, I see videos of these, uh, even Conor McGregor, these top fighters, and they'll put on headgear.
2: Yeah, Conor McGregor. Actually, you watch him in pretty much any live any live sparring where he's actually posted a video of it. He's got headgear on. You don't see that man. Uh, maybe if it's super light, mainly wrestling. But yeah. no, when he's contact sparring with his with his team, he's he's protected, well protected. He's got. I think at one point I saw him decked out elbow, knee, shin. But, hands, but that's head. my point.
1: Like you've got gel foot wraps. You just brought to do your kicking.
2: <laughs> I you, did get some you, for that think, reason. Yeah,
1: you you. You know, when when you hurt your ankle, um, you had careless moments that everyone got cranky at you for, but you were good about using your crutches for them. You know, you, you kept off. You had me driving you around. You were so careful. And I find it interesting to see how professional fighters baby their bodies because this is their money. And then this guy's hanging upside down, being punched and kicked in the head.
2: Well, tell me as the, as the I, I'm into, I'm kind of entertainment too. And you're you're you deal more with the mainstream movie entertainment style industry. Yeah. So, do you guys have a lot of these kind of wackaloon situations? Oh hell yes. Have- so so you have people constantly falling I know about Scientology That's the that's the mainstream kind of cult right? <laughs> I actually
1: wasn't including Scientology in that Because that is the least culty cult
2: Okay, right um, I know that Chris Pratt recently got into some kind his, of cult and No, was no, getting, no, he's, uh, he's,
1: he's with the Hillsong Church It's a Christian group is that is that not a cult? No, it's just a Christian group. Oh. So I'm not including any of this as cult. I'm not including mainstream really? religion or Scientology, which is not mainstream religion, as a cult. I'm talking about the hippie dippy gurus like the time the beach boy one of the beach boys almost joined the Manson family. And yeah. Hollywood. And Hollywood itself is a cult, Lexus saying in the back. <laughs> That's true.
2: I can I can see why that'd be a cult.
1: <laughs> we're we're quite culty. Whether
2: we have sexual assault, you can't tell anyone or else you get sued for lots of money, uh, there's drugs involved. <laughs>
1: Okay, Hollywood sucks. What's yeah, your point?
2: It's, it's basically a cult.
1: No, we, we so we have to go to break. But I, I guess where I'm caught here and what's catching me is this man obviously. Yeah. Um was in a great deal of distress and was picked up. I'm concerned, and maybe I'm concerned uh erroneously, maybe I'm wrong, but the way I've watched you train, you your baby, your head. The way I've watched Professional. All these other professional fighters train is they baby their heads. You were over at uh, the at Cub's gym, uh, true MMA. Yeah. You were over there, and Cub had another team come out, and one of the guys got him in the head, and he's like, whoa, 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 not, not the head. When they were training.
2: I may have missed that. I might have been busy at the time.
1: Yeah, you were. You were. You were
2: fighting. I, I will say this. I will say this though. Cub's team, uh, which is now actually called KBX Fitness, for anyone that's interested, going to check them out in Indio, California. They were, they're a very hard team. They will, they will certainly not shy away from putting some hurt on you, but you see the guys gear up, you see the guys pad up they and they are taking care of themselves. I've seen one injury while I was there for the entire year and a half. I was there, I saw one injury and that was because it was between two fighters who just got carried away for a moment.
1: Now, are you going to have them come back out to free MMA?
2: Yeah, we'd love to. We have to kind of put together things again. We got to worry about COVID make sure we have uh, right now our team is kind of shrunk a little bit because, you know, people don't like getting back into martial arts after a long break They get kind of lazy. But once we build up our roster again, get some of the guys back into the gym who uh, have been kind of doing some solo training during the break Mm -hmm. during the pandemic. Yeah, I'm going to take another team over there, maybe another team of nine to 10 guys having to come back over to. Uh, it'd be a great time. We used to have some fun over there.
1: So I'm going to say, I do want to give a quick shout out to Trainer Joe's Fitness in, Palms, uh, in Palm Desert. Off-road rentals, we have giveaways from you. I'm going to give um, our guests today the questions. So if you want to re- uh, win a free ATV ride, you can win that by listening in and answering some questions on our guests. True Rest Sedona in Las Vegas also doing a giveaway, so you can win a free float. And Foldable Ballet Flats with a pouch from graciously your Sydney. I want to give a shout out. We get so many good giveaways on the show. And I want to give a personal shout out to tiny bubbles hair salon. Thank you. I've looked awful through the whole pandemic and they fixed my hair now that I have to go back out in public. Thank you. Um, But So we have giveaways, foldable ballet flats with a pouch from Graciously or Sydney, ride it for two at off-road rentals in Palm Springs, California, a float at True Rest, Sedona or Las Vegas, and a stay at Castlewood Cottages in Big Bear, California, which is, I love 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 that that place. place. I love that place. It's one of my favorite places to go.
2: It's such a fun place to go. So we
1: have some really cool giveaways, guys. Um... We'll be asking questions later in the show about that. We are going to go to break when we come back. We're going to be talking a little bit more about Hollywood, a little bit less about cults. And then we are going to be on with our special guests. I'm Summer Helene. We are on with my co-host, the baddest bear in the cage, also the hairiest, Bear Fiora.
2: Yeah, I want to say the hairy part's debatable, but I don't have an argument for that.
1: (laughs) We'll be right back after this, guys.
3: here on the voice america variety channel
0: have you had a chance to check out voice america's online magazine and blog if you love our hosts and shows check out articles that give an even deeper perspective plus topics about health and fitness movie reviews philosophy business tips and tactics spirituality positive thoughts, current events and even more about your favorite hosts It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time.
3: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voiceamerica.
0: You are listening to behind the scenes with host summer helene to connect with the show today please call 1-866-472-5788 that's 1-866-472-5788 you may also send an email to bts at summerhelene.com now let's go back behind the scenes
1: g'day g'day guys welcome back to behind the scenes i'm your host summer helene and we are on with the baddest bear in the cage, and the fuzziest bear in the cage, and the guy that seems really, really cranky about everything going on in the UFC right now, uh, I, I was going to say Snuggy Bear, but you don't it's like not. being called Snuggy Bear. Is not your your stage name, right?
2: To be f- no, it's not. It's Bear Fiorda. Um, and to be <laughs> fair, it's not everything in the UFC. They made a good call. It's just one UFC fighter is being tainted by a cult leader, but let's we have i've I have something interesting actually to point out that's a little bit different than what we've been on the last fifteen minutes. So I don't know if you' know heard about him, but have you heard about Prince Harry?
1: Also being following around a cult leader?
2: I don't know if he is, but have you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I mean if we're talking about cult leaders, I think he is
2: also following a cult uh, leader. Sadly he married one. Yeah, that's what um, I'm
1: talking about. <laughs>
2: anyways, so you but you have heard of him. Great, good. I'm very proud of that. Um appara- I'm
1: Australian, that's my prince that is also following a cult leader. <laughs>
2: well apparently him and Orlando Bloom are not just neighbors, they're actually pretty good friends, and Orlando helps him out with the paparazzi. He protects him in a sense. He has he will inform him. Of when paparazzi like are coming to his house, and like he's staging outside of his
1: property. Oh, well, you have to remember that's also Orlando Bloom's Prince.
2: Orlando Bloom. This is going to sound really dumb.
1: He's English, you fool.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I uh, so when I first knew of him, it was through Pirates of the Caribbean. And looking back on it, he did have an accent. I kind of just thought that was how he talked, and it translated into today.
1: He's English, you fool. <laughs> well. And I'm sure that's a very use. nice story put out by their publicists. Yeah. But rumor has it Katy Perry, who is with Orlando Bloom, mm-hmm. is not a huge fan of Meghan Markle.
2: Probably not. I think the concern is more for Harry if it's there uh, organically at, at all. Yeah.
1: So the, the, the reality is, is I think the... So Meghan Markle had some really valid things to say, real valid statements that were completely drowned out by the fact that she lied through most of the Oprah interview, which was very strange. And she lied about things that were um, very verifiable. It would have been different if she'd have lied about far off stuff, or things she didn't know. But she lied about when they got married. I was about
2: to say, she, think of the, they literally called in the, the arch, or What what is the arch? The Archbishop. The Archbishop, of they Canterbury, called him yes. out for doing this, and when he's very easily, and very capable of, <laughs> of saying- proving
1: he's, he pulled out the marriage that this license. That just did not happen. So there was that problem, then there was the, well they're not giving my son a title, well they're not supposed to. They don't give titles past the, the grandson. So when Her Majesty passes and Prince Charles becomes king, Archie will automatically be given a title, but not until. But the Queen still offered a title to, to Archie, not Prince, but offered him a title, and apparently that wasn't good enough. Uh, but she lied. The, the things she lied about were far too verifiable. But what I'm really excited about, the part that I'm really excited about, is that means when we get up to, like, season 9 of The Crown or season 12 of The Crown... We
2: get to see this unfold.
1: We get to see this unfold, but...
2: And so far, they were... This this show was pretty... But Tyler
1: Perry... They went to stay with Tyler Perry. So that means somewhere in the crown someone is going to play Tyler Perry. My money's on Tyler Perry. You know
2: Tyler Perry. Tyler, Tyler Perry is
1: going to play Tyler Perry. I love Tyler Perry. He's in everything. He's fantastic. But they went to stay with Tyler freaking Perry. So in all the drama of the European royal family, the the English royal family, my Australian, you know, royal family, Tyler Perry is involved. <laughs>
2: You know it. Maybe like, he'll is get. Is that
1: like a moth on the wall? Sorry, I, I got very easily <laughs> Talk about distracted. about ADHD. I know. Maybe but Tyler a moth. will get.
2: Hold on. Maybe Tyler will get knighted. <gasps> maybe he'll be married in. He can't be. I think he's already married. Is
1: okay. Yes. Get rid of it, please. Um. Here's here's the problem. Is he already married? I don't know. I here's my problem with all of this. Yes. Um. So. The cult leader that Prince Harry followed and married. That has convinced him, I guess, to completely abandon his family. Yeah, uh, is is a real problem, and I understand. You know, they've kind of joined the Hollywood scene. Yeah, but it's really just dis- it's really uh, disconcerting for me to see. Um, You know, tonight at the Golden Globes, we have got Brad Pitt, Johnny Depp, and Prince Harry. Like, that's not okay with me. (laughs) That's not how royalty works. And he's not supposed to be trading off the title, obviously. Well,
2: it's not how it's supposed to work, but maybe this is the modern royal family.
1: Don't say that. The modern royal family, to me, is the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge. Um, But the, the, the short version, like, don't kill it, you monster. If I touch it, I'm already going to kill it. That's not true. That's an urban myth. All you have to do is put it in a cup. I didn't know that. There's this thing. If you touch a moth's wings, you'll kill it. If you get the oils from your hands on a moth or a butterfly's wings, you can. But if you get a little plastic container, you can put it outside. Instead, Alexis smashed it to death in a rag because she's a monster.
2: Oh, Is it dead?
1: Yes, it's dead. Let's confirm. I hope so. She smashed it. She's just going to throw it
2: outside and tell us it flew away.
1: Um. So, it so spread its it, wings and
2: fly away.
1: It survived. That's why there's a smear on my wall.
2: It does look a little smeary over there. <laughs> All right. Uh.
1: So so, I don't know. I, I guess the whole joining the cult thing is going around. Um. I think it's really cool that Orlando Bloom's doing that. We've had so much weirdness in Hollywood. I mean, the the Hollywood foreign press is under attack right now because they should be because there is, like, no diversity. Big shock, right? It's a bunch of old white guys, same old white guys that have been there forever. So the Golden Globes, it looks like they're going to suffer for it. The Oscars were, of course, terrible. But the thing I'm most excited about is the clothing from the Notties are coming back.
2: From the noughties?
1: Yeah, like the 2000s.
2: What what is it? Why is it called the Notties?
1: Two thousand zero zero not not.
2: Zero zero means not not. Naught
1: naught means zero. Not. Naught.
2: Naught. Not. Not. That's what I said. Not.
1: Well, it's not my fault. You have a weird accent.
2: Yeah, me. Listen, I'm Australian. If I, if Most I of the world speaks to English the I speak English. I would have a weird accent. No,
1: excuse me. England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales South Africa, Australia Most of the world speaks like me Most of the English speaking world, smarty pants
2: That's fantastic, and if I went there, I'd have the accent But you're here, so you have the accent
1: you sound like such a California boy?
2: <laughs> I so, do, I do I'm so representing right now
1: You're representing As you drink Guinness
2: What's wrong with Guinness? Nothing I, They didn't have Modelo I tried to buy it, but they would not <laughs> they wouldn't bring it
1: I thought that wasn't the beer you were into these days. I uh, thought you Mississippi were into-
2: Mud, I like, but I wanted I wanted to try. I wanted my Modelo, and we were already. I had an Instacart order going, and so it was just super easy just to kind of buy what Walmart had at the time.
1: Why are you shopping at Walmart?
2: Who isn't shopping at Walmart these days?
1: Me, if I can help it.
2: Walmart has equipped themselves with some fantastic new line of like clothes. Here's and what stuff. got me
1: one of my favorite perfumes of all time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Shalimar. And Samsara. Yeah. Now, Shalimar is by a company called Guerlain. It's a very... It's a high-end French perfume brand. Uh, you can buy it at Walmart.com.
2: Yes. That's beautiful. You can
1: buy Calvin Klein's Obsession. You can buy Coach Purse's. I've
2: not even... I haven't even scratched the amount I have in my Calvin Klein obsession. I've been using it for like (laughs) five years now.
1: You like the Calvin Klein obsession?
2: Yeah, I just can't get it. Apparently it it will
1: get you raped or attacked by wild animals because of the pheromones in it. If you wear that out, there have been issues with people wearing it in the water and hopping out and drying, sun drying, and being humped by wild animals and humped by dogs.
2: That's really... I can't tell. I want to say it's funny, but obviously if it's a bear doing it, it's not all that funny to the person at the time, right?
1: Define funny.
2: <laughs> Meaning you would sit there and laugh at the hysterity. Well,
1: of- your name's Bear. If you were being molested n- by n- a bear, I would definitely record it.
2: You wouldn't help. You're so... <laughs> You're, like, it would those, be good you're like those people who watch who watch a star fall over and have a heart attack. You're like, we gotta get it on film, man. We get.
1: There's a great film. It's uh, America's Sweetheart. Yeah, American Sweetheart. Watch that. the The awful, <laughs> the awful producer. That's like, the the best way to handle this. If if my mother died, if my mother died, I would look at this film. I would go to the premiere. I would shed a tear and say, My God, she would have loved this film. And my mother wouldn't criticize me for it. She's in the film industry.
2: (laughs) That's, you know, that's using your, uh, that's turning a bad situation into a good one right there. Mm -hmm. Or maybe not good, but (laughs) at least feasible.
1: No, you just, you do. You shed the tear and say, my God, she would have loved this film. We are gonna to go to break in just a second, guys. We've got some amazing guests on today. I'm I'm really, really excited. Uh, we have Ken Gerhard. I always pronounce his last name wrong. I am so bad at is that. it
2: Gerhard or Ger- Ger- I think, Gerhard? Gerhard. Gerhard, yeah.
1: He is one of the world's most recognizable cryptozoologists. I adore him. He's one of my favorite people. And of course, we have Lee Hales. He's a naturalist and a scientist, and I freaking love him. Uh, we're setting up to do a, mo- a a television show in Tasmania where we go chase Tasmanian tigers, and by we I mean they, because there is not a chance in hell I am wandering through the bush. I grew up there. I know how dangerous it is. It, it dangerous it is. These guys are crazy, like awesome crazy, but crazy. I so- think there has to
2: be a little something about you if you want to go. Because, let, let's put it this way, God forbid you guys find the Tazzy Tiger out there.
1: Well, actually, the Australian government's first thing was you need to take someone that's armed and licensed in case you're attacked by something. Yeah. But if it's a tiger, let them eat the crew. Yeah, if
2: it's a Tazzy Tiger, you lose your, you know that PA, <laughs> he's, he's not coming yeah, back. Yeah, it's,
1: it's let them eat the crew, let them eat the host, <laughs> don't hurt the tiger. That was kind of the government's just response. Send,
2: just send a production assistant in there.
1: You <laughs> no, hear a weird I'm, noise like at my my night, PAs. the PA
2: needs to go with the flashlight,
1: <laughs> you know? But, yeah, so, so I'm really excited about that. These are two of my favorite people on the planet. I'm Summer Helene. We are on with my co-host, the baddest bear in the cage, Bear Fjorda. And we'll be right back with our special guests talking about cryptozoology, talking about science, naturalism, and exactly what is going on out there in the big wide world, and as well as a few really fun stories from Discovery after this.
3: attention veterans are you ready to be your own boss it's time to launch your own ideas into reality discover your clean writing style Gear up with Marine Corps-trained motivator, Christina Silva. Christina is a positive energy promoter with a special gift in connecting with innovators. Get the Military Heroes 411 and glean from experts every week by listening to The Christina Silva Show. We're educating our veterans live on The Christina Silva Show, live at 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do, too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy.
1: G'day, g'day guys. Welcome back to behind the scenes. I'm your host, Summer Helene, and we are on with my co-host, the baddest bear in the cage, and the guy that sheds the most blood possible, sometimes from himself, when he knees people in the or when he faces people in the knee. Uh Bear Fiordi. You when, did face. When I
2: face people, you mean when I headbutt someone's <laughs> knee? <'cause laughs> no, I, that was I wasn't your face. You, you
1: cut your face.
2: Like just you That's should never headbutt someone with <laughs> your face.
1: <laughs> you should never you face butted his knee.
2: I totally did. <laughs>
1: uh we are on with two of my favorite people in the world our very 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 special guests i'm going to say welcome ken welcome lee welcome to the show guys we've got some questions uh for you but first i'd love if you guys would tell everyone a little bit about yourselves and how you know each other because that was one of the first questions we got on insta last time
4: uh
5: go ahead ken uh well thank you my brother um well i i was on the show uh recently but i'm Perhaps some people weren't listening in. I'm a honored to be a widely recognized cryptozoologist, uh which means that I go out and search for evidence of unknown animals and uh oftentimes this includes highly romantic and fantastical beasts like Bigfoot, the Loch Ness Monster, the Chupacabra and so on and so forth. And uh yeah. So uh I I, I do a lot of field research. I'm an author, and uh, I've been blessed to have appeared on many television shows where they have me out searching for these things.
1: And now I'm dragging you to Tasmania. I'm afraid I'm going to lose you in the bush, and there'll be a ton of public backlash because everyone loves you. So I'm not taking responsibility. That's Alexis's fault. Um, I'm a survivor.
2: (laughs) I I think you'll see me again. (laughs) no, you just just sign the NDA. That yeah, way. He can't out. The NDA. You, that he it can't
1: was you. Well, that was one of the first things I have to say. Australia was worried about. They were worried. They're like, well, they're Americans. Then I gave them their history, and they're like, okay, they're tough enough. They can come. They can survive. <laughs> Do you want to tell everyone a little bit about yourself, mate?
4: Well, My we bring the, the expendable crew members with us. We have a couple of guys <laughs> in red shirts. We send them in first. But
1: love it. They're going with the Star Trek <laughs> method. <laughs> but.
4: Well, my background is in science education, first and foremost. Uh, My influences as a little kid, I remember uh, Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. I don't know if I'm dating myself with that, but Marlon Perkins. I ended up actually working at the zoo that he was the curator at, and he did the show, for those of you that don't know, uh, was on before Disney And he was like the original person That went out there And presented wild uh, uh, Settings such as Africa To the, the general public and Is so
1: I Mutual was fascinated. in Omaha a bank? What's a that? Bank? Isn't Mutual of Omaha, I know this sounds weird, yes, I'm foreign, is. bear with it me, would, it's, it's, then, isn't well, it a bank? That was the
4: sponsor of it, so I'm going back to like 70s when the show was on, and so that was the sponsor, and you know, they would have that before it, so it was the Wild Kingdom of oh. Mutual of Omaha, so okay. Marlon Perkins was the host. And this was like the predecessor of a lot of the shows that we see today. And, and oh he always God. had his he, assistant, Jim, that he would send in danger. Marlon would be to the side, but Jim would go in there. In fact, we later in life, uh, Ken and I, sort of had indirect dealings with him. Uh, through the Carabella the Cat thing, which is, we could talk about later, one of the weird expeditions. But, you know, that was like really what fascinated me and just science education and the environment and inspiring people. And I worked in Yosemite National Park as a guide and an interpretive ranger there. So, you know, you go and you see programs and the ranger comes out and talks about uh, whatever the entity is, the rocks, the bears, this or that. Um, I did that for a private concessionaire and I also took celebrities out who did not want to bother with the general public, um, such as uh, Brad Pitt, for example, and kind of sneak these people away to see the park and experience it the way that normal people do. As you know, you know, they, they, they just can't go anywhere or do anything.
1: No, uh, no they can't go without being caught. And I, and I did a
4: lot of television um, through you know, being at Yosemite. Obviously, that's a destination for the world. And then I, I met up with Ken. And he was about to do, that was the uh, Legend Hunters, right, Ken? Yeah, Legend Hunters, 2006. Wow, that was that long ago. So we went and did that and, and just started, you know, going out on these various adventures because he's obviously on a on a different end of the spectrum. But I enjoyed the idea of going out in these investigations and implying, you know, more Practical field methods because I would track things occasionally in Yosemite and had a lot of practical experience. So that's how we started actually working together.
2: I think that's partly, I think that's uh, at least part of the reason why you guys hit so well with your crowd and your audience is there's a lot of reality to what you guys are doing. There's a lot of, like you said, practical application that goes into what you guys do. It's not. Uh, you're not, you know,
1: chasing mythical balls creatures. False wall, chasing
2: yeah. mythical creatures. Exactly. You guys are putting real science and real information on paper, and if it checks out, then that's it. Yeah. I like that.
4: Well, unfortunately, now let's. There were some uh, shows that we did that I uh, gave very reasonable explanations, and they hit the cutting room floor. But you know, there's <laughs> <laughs> the that, that happens. <laughs> they're
1: looking. They're looking. They're looking for a little more sensationalism. I think.
4: Right, right. So they're like, uh, could we leave the door open a little bit on that? And, you know, so.
1: <laughs> that it, it happens. But now, you were talking it, it about happens. the cat thing. What cat thing that you guys did together? That was the first thing I got on Twitter.
4: Oh, you, know, what so cat inter- thing? you should introduce <laughs> that, Ken, because I think you were like the one that, that took point on that and they reached out to you first, right?
5: Yeah, so um, there's a uh, place in Florida, in the panhandle of Florida, called Tate's Hell National Forest, great name, and there's a little town called Carabell, and in and around the town of Carabell, there had been sightings and also an alleged video of a quote-unquote black panther, and for a little brief education for your listeners, there should be no black panthers or large black cats native to north america you do have black leopards in parts of asian africa black jaguars in south and central america and so forth but there are no large black cats native to north america but there are many many alleged sightings and accounts so the town of Carabel actually issued an official invitation the city council did to uh... a, a colleague of ours scott Marlowe, a late colleague another cryptozoologist and he invited Lee and I to come along and search for evidence of this black panther. And we actually have an official invitation from the town. So this is this was cool because we had uh, an actual government entity inviting us to go look for this mythical creature. And so Lee and I went out there, and uh, uh, it was it was quite an adventure, I don't know, <laughs> We we literally got run out of town at the end of it, which was probably, uh, how <laughs> second did, result. did you
1: get, okay, why Lee. did you get run out of we town? Yeah.
5: We <laughs> didn't find this, this Carabelle cat, as it was called, we didn't find it, uh, but we did, we did have a bit of an adventure, and, uh, Lee, you can pick it up there if you want, I don't,
4: well, it, it was, for it the was, very uh, reason that I was talking about, we were, we, All right, so scientific method. The process was this, and this is where Fowler comes in. So on the way there, we go to a large cat with sanctuary, and we go up close and personal with some examples of different cats in the area, get a varying size of this thing. And Ken had made a cardboard cutout of it so we could gauge the size of this. So we go to the exact spot, He's got this cardboard cut out. I'm up in the tree with the camera where the person who took the photo supposedly was, and we just sort of judge this thing. So after a little bit of playing around with that and, you know, move forward, move back, we had the picture, we had the trees in the area to gauge it from, you came to a very quick conclusion that this was a mere house cat. It just didn't even match inside.
2: Oh, no.
1: (laughs) I, I'm yeah, guessing they, a, they were big
2: black house, pissed. Yeah. I'm well, sure they got they the did not. t-shirts made. You, yeah, you, you can't tell upset. me that's why they ran you out, Riley. Right? Like, you solved this for them, but they're like, it's not. Because you didn't give them the answer, they wanted, they, they they kicked you out of their town?
4: They were not nice in, in, in postscript, no. But the comments were not uh, just, shall we say.
5: <laughs> well, uh, you know, as Lee is inferring, I mean, the, the town of Carabelle was trying to capitalize on this myth of this this mythical black cat, and they had, you know, they were trying to basically roll it into a tourist thing, you know, where people would come and look kind of like their local Loch Ness monster. And so, no, we didn't come, <laughs> to be fair, I don't think we completely debunked all of the, we debunked the main photo that had been presented, <laughs> but I mean, there were still yeah. other accounts and things, so... Uh, and we we took a, a good look around the area. We found what did we finally? We found a lot of bear scat, and a lot of bear sign, and uh, you know, a pretty it big habitat. Like it.
1: So it, it sounds like you guys didn't give them the uh, mythical. Now I, I got to say, before I talk to you to you guys when we started this uh, Tasmanian tiger film, I nearly quit. I, I started doing this. I nearly quit over this um, because the, the the cryptozoologists I talked to beforehand. Um, some of them were fantastic. Not all of them were like this, but a few of them, they're like, okay, this is great. We're going to do this and maybe we can get some alien footage. I'm like, we're going to be in the middle of the bush. You're not going to be able to see the ceiling. What are you talking about? They're like, well, the abduction rate and the aliens live here. And I'm like, oh my God. Then I had one tell me about the vampires that live in Tasmania
2: is that is that a thing do t- vampires he, live in Tasmania apparently
1: and apparently they interviewed the vampires on one of his podcasts
2: sorry, interview with the vampire I thought yeah I, it was I a could, literal interview with the vampire was a, was a movie somewhere so
1: I, I think like if I had called these guys and said I just need you to somehow prove that the Tasmanian tiger is still there they would have done it
2: Oh, I see. Where
1: when you're talking to Ken and Lee, you're not going to have anyone sitting they, there they, going and making up bullshit. They're they're looking for something real. <laughs> I'd like to remind everyone: every time we use bad language, we give money to the Boys and Girls Club of America, the Humane Society of Fr- America, and Free MMA. We swear because we care.
2: Well, shit, you know, by that <laughs> by that logic, Summer and Ken and Lee, you guys can <laughs> confirm this if you if you can. Doesn't that kind of mean that they hired you guys to lie for them? Like, they looked at your record, they looked at your guys' history and what you've done, and they're like, yeah, these are the guys to spin a tale for us.
1: No, I think they, I think they genuinely thought it was there and hired these guys to prove it. I mean, that's kind of what it sounds like, right? Well, you know, there's
4: a yeah. lot of stories in the area. So, you know, we interviewed all of these people, you know, late night, ran across the road kind of thing. Um, yeah. It it seemed like they had already had it, you know, out and going. The was the, the mayor came and, and met us, and, and uh, somebody from the town council, and so, yeah, you know, I, I think they wanted to perpetuate that, and they weren't happy with, you know, everybody wants to to have a fun monster in the backyard, obviously. But that's what's so tricky about this, is I come in kind of as, a, as the skeptic sometimes, which is probably why Clint, Ken, and I work so well together, is I think there's always a natural explanation to what you see.
1: Well, neither of you have offered to make me a vampire, and three of the cryptozoologists I spoke to did, so I'm doing great. I prefer you guys.
4: No, that
5: yeah, I like not my area of expertise. That. That's that's not technically cryptozoology if people are bringing up aliens and vampires. And that's kind of one of the issues we have within the field right now is it's kind of opened up and brought a lot of people have come in with sort of less scientific perspectives. So it's a shame, but...
2: Yeah, and that's it, and, that's it. Like and I
1: think and I think you're a good representation of the world of cryptozoology because there's science there, there is logic there, there is seeking of understanding and of course you haven't offered to make anyone a vampire. I'm still very I'm still very bitter about that. <laughs> they offered to make me a vampire. I'm like what?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: you're going to make me a vampire well, now.
2: <laughs> you know, yeah, I, well, I I just I have one thing that just, I face. Wait, I'm jar. gonna
1: ask, did you guys yeah. ever find any of the animals you've been looking for?
2: On one show, oh. we
4: were looking for the shark, the bull shark. Uh, we, um, they ended up not where we were, but we ended up photographing it well inland of where it should have been. So that was, uh, that was a success in that case.
5: Yes, you're right. That was a, a bull shark in fresh water. So that was kind of the topic yes. of that. Um, so that, that, that was surprising. Bull, mm-hmm.
1: bull sharks are dicks. They can get anywhere, and they're really mean. <laughs> no, I'm afraid <laughs> right. of bull sharks. I'll take a great one. I'm afraid of bull sharks. I will take a great white i am afraid of bull sharks i can not believe you guys. I don't know why I say I can't believe it. I like you both very much, but you're both crazy. So I don't know why. <laughs> I'm surprised you went looking for bull sharks. Don't know, but I am. Where did you find it?
4: Well, there was, uh, in that one, there was two prongs to it. So there was a team with a diver that went up. I think he was in the St. Lawrence, if memory serves. I was down in the Atchafalaya River Basin uh, in Louisiana. So there had been a lot of reports, and actually they had been caught. And this is, you're talking 20 miles or so past the estuary. So this is all fresh water. Mm-hmm. But the premise was that, I think it was the 1930s, that there was an attack all the way up on the shores of Illinois. And they suspected yeah. it, that that was a bull shark, indeed. So the, the premise was, how on earth does a bull shark, and does a bull shark go all the way up this far into the Great Lakes? And I, I think in that particular case, we've shown that it was in the St. Lawrence Seaway, that it is quite feasible
1: i, yeah, I got to tell uh, you, I, sorry, you were saying?
5: No, go ahead. I was just going to add, um, Lee could explain this better than I, but it's, you know, obviously most sharks aren't able to do this, but it's called osmoregulation, correctly. when a yeah. shark can basically yeah. adjust yeah. Its, its body chemistry to, uh, to adapt to a freshwater environment.
1: Well, I've, I've yeah, heard of bull sharks in Australia getting up into brackish water. I've heard of them getting a little way into fresh water. but when you're talking about Illinois, you're talking about all the way in the country. That's not yep. a little trek.
4: No, not at all.
1: That's, and, I mean, I, I wouldn't it, have expected that.
4: No, no, but it was the only reasonable explanation to it. And what's different about this creature is n- normally it's something like that could take, you know, centuries, literally, a thousand years for an yeah. animal to go from saltwater to a freshwater habitat. This is one of the few examples of it has the ability to morph. So that's what's so interesting about it. And those are the shows that I like doing the most where it was an out-of-place animal or something that was very tangible. So I worked a lot with um, the particular series, with, was Monster Quest, and kind of had uh, the, a pick of a few and loved the more natural, like, you know, an unusually large snake or something like that as opposed to, you know, and then, Ken, like to do some of the, the more traditional folklore type things. What did you cover, Ken, for example?
5: Um, I did, the weirdest one I did for Monster Quest was down in Mexico. I investigated something like the Mothman, which some of your listeners may have. It's kind of a, more of a, a flying humanoid type of creature. But in and around the uh, city of Monterey, there have been sightings of this winged, Birdman, as they call him, and we did an expedition out there in, a, in an area called La Huasteca in the Sierra Madres where this birdman was supposedly living in a cave. We didn't find him, of course. But the weirdest thing that happened on that trek was I interviewed a police officer who, this was big news in Mexico at the time, who claimed that a flying witch, yes, you heard that right, a flying witch with a hooded robe and giant black lidless eyes flew. Through the air onto the hood of his police car, causing him to subsequently pass out. And uh yeah, w- one of the things I love about Mexico is this was not like a, a kind of a snicker ha ha uh side B uh page two story. This was like headline news in Mexico, police officer attached attacked by flying bruja or witch. So that was that was the weirdest one I did.
1: That's amazing. Um, I'm gonna ask you guys we have three giveaways for the show so I'm gonna give uh, Ken if you'll choose one question about you for people to answer Lee if you'll choose one question about you for people to answer and then one question about one of the show about something you two did together for the third giveaway our giveaways uh, from uh, Castlewood Cottages in Big Bay. You can get an overnight stay. Uh, it's fantastic. One of my favorite places to go. True Rest Sedona, uh, Las Vegas Float, or a ride at Alfred Rentals in Palm Springs, California, and, or a pair of ballet flats from Graciously Your Sydney. So I'm going to ask you guys to give everyone a question about yourselves and then a question about something you've done together.
5: How hard are these questions supposed to be, Summer? <laughs> We want someone to win, obviously, right? (laughs) Okay, I'll go first. Uh, My first book, published book, in 2007 was about a cryptid, a mythical creature named after a Sesame Street character. What was the Sesame Street character that my first book was based on that that creature?
1: Now I obsessively want to know. (laughs) Okay, your question.
4: My question?
1: Yeah.
4: Oh, all right. Which, which national park did I work in?
1: Bum, bum, bum. Now, amongst yourselves, choose a question about the pair of you.
5: Oh, Okay, I got one. Can I go, Lee? Yeah. Okay, so in, in 2006, Lee and I teamed up for a show called Legend Hunters on the Travel Channel, and we were searching for the mythical man-beast known as Bigfoot, in a specific location in Louisiana that has become infamous in the Bigfoot field for the number of sightings and reports. So this one's a little trickier. Now, I'll give you one other clue. There was a later TV series called Killing Bigfoot. We weren't involved in that, fortunately. (laughs) That was also based in the same location. So what is the name of the location in Louisiana for the TV series Killing Bigfoot, was based, and also Lee and I did an expedition there in 2006 for the
2: Travel Channel. I like that. Very nice. So, guys,
1: you can get one of our giveaways if you answer those questions on Twitter. Your question, Bear?
2: Actually, it's not so much of a question, but I took... A gra- I took a great deal of notice, Lee, when I read through your uh, your bio here, that you are not just specifically science fiction fan, but a Star Wars fan. And oh, that my God. You've Star Star Wars Wars. been <laughs> for the last 40 <laughs> years. Oh. I, I personally have watched it since I was a child. I have delved into the lore, the books. I go on something called Wikipedia, and I read up all the backstories of things that people make up or that people have written professionally for the company or for the Star Wars brand. So just off- oddball question what is who is your favorite character of the star wars universe and maybe a small short reason why
1: i'm gonna say that give that question to both of you and i am gonna have to find out what Wookiepedia is later
4: (laughs) (laughs) it's it's the bible for star wars fans (laughs) but uh you know it for me it has to be the character of han solo because it it's as a kid, it it was so impactful. Like, you look at this this character and, like, that's what you want to be. That's what you aspire as a young kid. And, uh, and that's what made it so fun. And I think a lot of people wonder, you know, what's the fascination in all of that? Because they've sort of lost that. Uh, there's so many science fiction movies out there that you can see in yearly basis, and they blow your face off. But in 1977... That was it. There was nothing that anybody had ever seen quite like that, and characters, unlike anything we had seen.
1: I think that, yeah, I can see that. Do you, uh, now I'm going to ask you, Ken, do you like Star Wars?
5: Well, I'm going I'm to stir the pot here a little bit with Lee. I'm, I'm actually more of a Star Trek fan. Yes. And uh in fact <laughs> I've appeared on a couple of shows with William Shatner, Bill Shatner, and Leonard Nimoy was my hero growing up in the 70s cuz he hosted a show called In Search of which I really loved. But uh I do like Star Wars. I I'll, I'll have to go with in the uh, and I this is how little I know, but in the Empire Strikes Back there's basically an abominable snowman if you will that uh yep. abducts Luke Skywalker and drags him into the cave and uh so I guess that would be a fitting character for me
1: character. Whatever that is. I love what that, I that's, that's fantastic that? Uh, here's one, do you know that the Star Trek and Star Wars exist within the same universe there's actually a scene in uh, one of the in, 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 uh, of the Millennium Falcon flying in front of the Enterprise in one of the movies but I'm not going to say which one because I'm going to save that for a, a question in one of the shows one day
4: that's a, oh, the really Millennium cool. Falcon um, has appeared in we, many different movies
1: mm-hmm. pardon?
4: I did not know that. The, the Millennium Falcon has appeared in many different movies, actually. It has. One, It really uh, being, has.
1: It's amazing.
4: Um, yeah, I am going to say, guys, example. we're getting
1: to the end of the show. Tell everyone right. where they can find you on social media and where they can get your book.
5: Um, well, uh, thank you again for having me on. Um, I have a website. It is KenGerhard.com. Uh, I'm also on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And I have a YouTube channel, look up Ken Gerhard, and I also have an Amazon author page if uh, anyone wants to check out my books, Ken Gerhard on Amazon.
1: He's an excellent author. And
4: Lee? Oh, wait, way to show me up. Uh, The moral (laughs) of the story is you do not have your social media hosted on a friend's server. uh, because. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll just leave it at that. I'm
1: thinking we need to clean the social media up a little bit.
4: Yes, yes. More to come. All
1: right. Well, then what we'll do is I'll put up some links to the social media and make sure it's not to a friend's server. Uh, Guys, we have about two minutes left of the show. Is there anything you want to say to everyone out there?
5: Go ahead, Ken. I don't know. Go ahead, Lee.
4: And Everybody out there. People? Well, you know, stay tuned. This is going to be a very interesting year. Uh, we're putting this together. Uh, it's something that uh, neither of us have been involved with. And uh, it's, uh, yeah, definitely stay tuned. Uh, this is going to be a wild ride.
1: And to the guy that oh. asked if I'm going to feed them to Tasmanian tigers, no, no, I'm not. I simply was repeating what the museum said. <laughs> um, we, we are not, we appreciate and I them. think they are more than capable of taking care of themselves.
2: We will not intentionally do this, but should a Tasmanian tiger appear and we have to feed it something, throw them one of those red shirts we talked about right. earlier.
1: Exactly, expendable crew member. Uh, thank you again to my co host, Bear Fiordi. You can always find him at Bear Fiordi. Get some MMA tips. I'm Summer Helene. You can find me everywhere at Summer Helene. I talk about naughty Hollywood stories and an actor accidentally getting circumcised because of body paint. Mm. I want to say thank you. Yeah, it got ripped off. He screamed. Um, I want to say thank you very, very much to Ken and Lee for being on here. I know the audience here loves you. They always write in a bunch of questions and we didn't get to them because we got to talking again because we're bad. at I'm, ba- I'm bad at this. Thank you for joining us. I'm Summer Helene. I promise you guys uh, for, for Twitter, I, I will try and get them on again. We'll see you next week. This is Behind the Scenes. Good night.